and welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast. It's beer, metal, and swearing. As always, it is Nick Cameron of the formerly Glacier Musical that was once a thing and is now this thing, joined by Kowloon Wald Chakas. How are we doing today, buddy? I am keeping out the enemy and keeping the terracotta warriors inside. I don't know what happened, but I started Googling Kowloon Wald City. For, oh, I know why, because I was bored and I had time to kill. <clears throat> uh, so... I'm sorry, beer check. Last time we couldn't hear it, so I'm going to hold it up closer to the microphone. Oh, God, I got my radio voice on when I'm talking real fast. I'm sorry. Sorry. So, uh, this week, going with a Squatters Double IPA. It is absolutely delicious. Mm. And I'm going to put that into my 1997 Blues Pint Glass. Nice. I have seen that glass before. I also have, and you've never seen it because we don't record early enough for it to matter. Uh, I've Lovely. also got the uh, the coffee mug from that year to match. No, shit, it's a very reddish colored beer. There, it's almost like a fruit color, like a that punch. A, it's a delicious double IPA. It uh, rivals STL IPA for my my second favorite uh, standard. Double IPA. Uh, this week I am wearing my Grave Huffer t-shirt, band out of Joplin, fan. Missouri. If you've ever thought to yourself, if this death metal could use a little ABBA, <clears throat> my boys are your guys. They don't take themselves too seriously, but they do rock out. What pisses me off is they play at a place called Blackthorn Pizza Pub all the time, but not the one a neighborhood away. Okay. Are they a chain or they just happen to have the same name? It's a Missouri place. There's a couple of them. There's one in um, there's one in St. Louis, I believe one in Columbia and one in Springfield. They play the one in Springfield all the time. I'm pretty sure Blackthorn has got an Irish connotation name and Blackthorn was the local club to me when I was playing in my first bands that had it's just a, it, It's one of the few places in St. Louis where you can get Chicago style pizza. Not a plus for me, but I get it. Um I'm missing the New York pizza pretty bad. Um, I I I do have a shot at getting some pretty decent, the only decent California pizza potentially this weekend, but I'll talk about it next week. I have a beer check if you're ready. I'm ready. Hit me. I have a Sierra Nevada Big Little Thing IPA Imperial IPA in this gorgeous psychedelic purpley can. It looks Was like that a 19-ounce can? Exploded. It is a... 19-6? 1.3.2 fluid ounces. I don't do the metric system. Nine uh, percent ABV. I've been Ooh, that very... is not metric. That is uh, <laughs> that, that's customary. All right. I don't do numbers. Math. I didn't hear a good pop. That kind of like fart. Oh, I don't know. It was kind of pretty good. My mic is over here, so that's why. Uh, All right. Fair enough. All right. How's that? Nine percent ABV. I have not had that particular Lagunitas beer, and I. Do dig me some Lagunitas. I almost was rocking some Lagunitas this week. This is Sierra Nevada. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. But I, I almost, it's funny though, because it was right next to the Lagunitas in the case. And I was like, I haven't had a Lagunitas in a while, but I skipped it and I got this instead. I have never had this guy. Mm, so enough. I do I, like me a good Sierra Nevada as uh, viewers who, well, it wasn't in a view, so sorry, but I uh, was rocking the, the Sierra Nevada Bigfoot uh, Bigfoot 2022 Ale, which is one of my favorite barley wines that comes out once a year, a couple of weeks ago. 
right on. Hey, I'm going to take a second and, um, you know, I'm always trying to get the audience involved here. This is our third official video pod, podcast as a video on YouTube. So if anybody's liking these, not liking these, has some advice or some criticism or some tips, drop a comment because it's on Nick's channel and not mine. <laughs> the only thing I will say is I know I'm ugly. Just you don't got to say that one. Dude, I get so much hate mail about being fat. It's it's luckily that I don't give a shit anymore because I just look at it as thank you for engaging with my channel, publish, and now I get more, you know, it helps me in the algorithm. But like a lot of people like, look at this fat bastard in this battle vest and his beard. And it's like, I'm a metal guy. Like that's what that's the uniform I came with. I'm just, All right, fine. It. Everybody tell me how ugly I am. If you convinced me. But yes, I if you are doing this on the podcast and you have been listening on the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, what the hell ever, thank you very much. And I appreciate you listening to this content that we bring you every week. And hopefully it is getting better. Hopefully I am getting better because Keithy is amazing basically every week. I'm I, you know, I, I'm the flat tire and I'm fine with that. Uh, I disagree, I, but okay. That's why I have good friends. I have good friends to bring me up and you know get the, get the pump out. My, my friends are basically my AAA. That's besides the point. Um, but if there is anything we could do better, especially me, let me know. Comment, email, whatever. Like me on Facebook. I don't care. Just click something. I would really appreciate that. And if you're digging the YouTube videos, uh, they're going to keep coming because we actually got a better response this week on YouTube than we did on the regular channels. So thank you very much for watching. Um, when I say this week, of course, I mean two weeks ago, not uh, not this week now as you're listening because the magic of time uh, sucks. But um, Time's a flat circle. It doesn't mean anything. I've lost complete track of time. I'm, I, basically, I feel <laughs> like Schrodinger's cat all the time. I don't know if I'm alive or dead. This is probably a simulation. I mean, I'm driving an electric car. Mm. I'm driving an electric car. I'm happy. I've got a kid that might love me. Mm. Not 100% on that one. So probably does. Maybe doesn't. But either she's way. She's too young to start hating you. She's not quite a teen, right? Like it's eh, She's teen. 11. Tween? She's a tween. Yeah, right? she's Officially a tween. A tween. Yeah, she's gone through a lot. So she's aging. <clears throat> she, she's got some mature emotional maturity. But basically... The fact that I have not uh, overdosed on pills, I feel like, is a simulation. And I've never been a pill guy to begin with. So, I mean, I don't know why I said pills, but. I, yeah. Cheers, everybody. Drink till you can't feel feelings anymore. I spent uh, or all day. drink till your feelings feel <laughs> stiffer. That's good. I felt yesterday, I thought all day yesterday, it was Wednesday, which is today. As we Rex. record this, we record so Wednesdays typically. I, I screw it up. I didn't know what day it was yesterday. Woo! So anyway, the beer will help. And with that, it is now time for the weekly vinyl check. What do you got for me this week? Oh, I'm going first. I always go first. I was going. Want me to go first? I can go first. I kind of like you to go first. All right, I'll go first this week. Uh, on Sunday <laughs> again, we were working at the new house. Uh, moving day is now four weeks away. Four weeks we are moving into the new house. So enjoy the view because it won't be there in four weeks. But uh, wife needed some time and she told me one of the antique malls up north, North County, I mean, not north, but was uh, they're supposedly having a President's Day sale and she could really use some time with us not in the house. 
so she could veg out totally with that you know and you know being i'm not gonna go there but you know totally fine with that so i picked up a couple of things went through every record in the entire place uh there was no sale i might add there, there were sales but not where i wanted but i picked up starting off with a little bit of nice. canned heat yo this is their big one live in the blues it's got their major smash number one hit which is of course going up the country that is the one everybody knows and then it's also got uh, parthenogis on side two refried boogie on part one on side three and refried boogie part two on side four so it's like five great little boogie blues tunes and then they just got high and just went for it so awesome uh, i will say that uh, the best side of music you will ever hear in your life is side four not of this side four of hooker and heat can't heat and john lee hooker you've just mentioned this album before together got it on vinyl it is something that uh somebody that i used to spar with online told me about and oh god it's amazing can't heat big big fans of uh of the man the myth the legend john lee hooker and they did an album together it was uh alan the owl hite height i don't know how to pronounce it it's his last recording he died actually before it was even released so check it out it is amazing uh, i got nice. that for a little more than i wanted to pay i think it was 14 dollars. not that 14 bucks is bad the, the records are in amazing shape the 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 sleeve a little beat up but i don't care about that they get beat up it happens uh the other one i picked up uh six dollars another classic record uh, a little bit beat up on the sleeve and that is jeff beck beck ola i don't know if you can see that because beck ola is like pencil thin like uh i'm not even sure who's in the band on this one let's see vocals oh rod stewart again uh ron wood on bass and a couple other guys and then jeff back so that is uh a super group if you want to retcon it that way i've got another one of their albums i've got uh jeff beck's truth i believe it's the same lineup truth and flash and there and back are the three that are my trinity for him but that's also a very worthy one isn't it weird how ron wood and and jeff beck kind of look like twins have you ever noticed this? And also Rod, this. Have you and ever also noticed? Rod Stewart had a certain, you know, certain hairstyle. Also, they all kind of look alike. Have you ever noticed that uh, Roger Waters has done solo records with two of the three Yardbirds? Not Jimmy Page, the best one. Not Jimmy, Jimmy Page. Should have got the best one. Should have got the best one. <clears throat> but he's he's got taste in guitar players. He's got impeccable taste. Agreed. That is my vinyl check for this week. I that got is your one, vinyl but check. It's not here. So, oh, well, then, as we said, from now on, now that we're on the YouTube, we're not going to speculate and talk much about what we don't have in hand, right? I have in hand a very cool and unusual vinyl for me. I got this as a Bandcamp Friday recommendation from a special lady friend. I'm not flexing. I'm just sharing. Mm-hmm. This is Gordon Withers, who is an incredible cellist. Oh. And this is Gordon Withers jawbreaker on cello one month from tomorrow i will be going to the first of many in a row jawbreaker shows in san francisco the jawbreaker dear you 25th anniversary reunion tour and so this is this guy is makes his own music very politically active donates to a lot of charity he has done a dark side of the moon on cello a full album Mm. that preceded this and then he put this out because jawbreaker rules 
sort of the Nirvana that Nirvana sequel that never was. Green Day got all the hype and should have been Jawbreaker. And look at this beautiful sky blue. I'm going to pull it out. This is on a sky blue pa uh, pattern, I guess. Mm, very nice. Yeah, Both of mine are, you know, 60s pressing, so they're black. Um, but yeah, very excited. Um, this is on Bandcamp. This is a Bandcamp Friday purchase. Go check it out. This guy's very interesting. I might like to reach out to him and see if he would do an interview with me for Ghost Cult. I know it would be a little out of the ordinary, but I, I, I have classical music training. And I love stringed instruments, and I love anything that is like me, uh, wasn't going to go there. I was talking about I love instrumental string arrangement versions of blank. I love Apocalyptica. I like the Harp Twins. I like Harpists. I like uh, have, Seven heard, Sons. You've heard Gracion, then. I love Gracion. I have several Gracion vinyl. Might I have, even have one I have of four. them here. Nice. I love them. They're here. They're Bay Area. Oh, yeah. I knew that. Yeah. And uh, uh, there is a band that when you come to town, I will introduce you to. Uh, or, or possibly. The Urge? That. What? The Urge? I never heard back from that, dude. Steve. I emailed I, yeah, I have never heard back either. He's busy. He's make, making hot dogs and making hot dogs. Uh, I'll take you to his hot dog place. He might be there. You might get 20 minutes with him. But uh, he once cleaned up my garbage and I felt bad. But uh, actually, there was one time I was there, well, many times I was there with the lead singer of my favorite 90s St. Louis band at the most popular 90s St. Louis band's hot dog stand. It was, it was weird. I'm like, I'm with Joe, the singer from the Finns, at Steve's hot dog stand from the Urge. This is, uh, I, I don't know how this happened. Anyway, not the point. Um, uh, they're called the Suede Chain. They were a, imagine the Doors. But in lieu of an organ, they had a string section. So that sounds really cool. Um, and we know again, there are modern bands that do this. There are old school bands that do this. Um, Airborne Toxic uh, Event comes to mind. Days of Future Past, Moody Blues had a massive impact on me as a child. I went to you know again classically musically trained. I sang opera. I used to sight read bullshit. Anyway. May I interrupt briefly? Yeah. I would like to go back to last week's vinyl check. Okay. Uh, as you may recall, I bought an album by a band called Goat Horn. Yes. I had never heard of Goat Horn. Mm. Uh, it was $16.66. It was the devil's medal, the devil's price. So I bought it. And there was nothing else to buy that I was willing to pay for. But um, got to say, really dug it. It was like power doom metal. So it's like Sabaton meets, oh, I don't want to say their name, but I'm going to. Sabaton meets The Obsessed, which is really cool. Turns out- I mean, uh, on paper, that sounds really cool. Turns out the guitar player singer is now the singer for Cauldron. That makes complete sense. Okay. So- That makes sense now. Goathorn, cool logo. Cool. I, relo I looked them up a little. I'm going to try to- find some music of theirs that i can get my hands and the on cauldron and, um, logo is the exact same font the same font except it says cauldron it's like the black sabbath it's not quite the master reality font but it looks like a font that would be on a white zombie poster in 1993 yes it does, yes, it does. just uh put some like white change the colors up of the letters and have a uh a picture of his wife scantily clad in black and white because that's everything he does. 
She's in everything. I like if you were married, you know, she's cool. I think she's cool, Sherry Moon, but it's like I wouldn't put her in everything, especially after he's had some successful movies and he could cast anyone he wants. Why does he keep casting his wife? She's not a particularly good actress. At oh, she's all. in the movies? I haven't, I haven't seen it. She's going to be Lily Munster. I was like, that's a stretch. There's a lot of great actresses in Hollywood. She's going to be his Lily Munster in the Munsters remake they're doing right now. And I have full faith in him to do it. None of people shat on his Halloween movies. I actually thought they were decent considering yeah, um, the, the history. Have you seen Clerks 2? Of course. To my why, did he, why did uh, Kevin Smith cast Jennifer Schwalbach as... Uh... Well... Yes, they were together. Uh, actually, that goes even deeper. He was dating Joey Lauren Adams and basically wrote Chasing Amy, Chasing Amy for her. About her. They had broken up. And that was sort of about her, but also like as a vehicle to make right. her. But uh, and he also cast Jennifer Schwalbach as one of yeah. the uh, diamond hunters. In, oh, sure. Uh, yeah, Bob. that's in Jane Bob Strikes Back. And then they, st- yeah, she, there's a weird story. She was set. She used to be a reporter and she was sent to interview him and he hit on her and they went out and that was it. That's wild. That is extraordinarily like, unprofessional. Possibly unprofessional on both their parts. Both their parts, yes. But, um, but you know, hey, they're still together like 25 and have, years and later. And they have so. a great, their kid is actually one of the rising up and coming actresses in Hollywood. There you Harley go. Quinn. She's a much better actress than her mother. For a uh, much better actress, actor than her father, for sure. Well, I mean, um, most people are. But not to not to bring it down a complete notch from this jovial exchange. Well, we have to bring it up high because I know where this is going. So you know where this is going. So we're gonna have to bring it back up high. But I, I, I am compelled to to you know, we're in music, you know, we're not just aficionados and buffs, we're actual lovers of this stuff, right? We're students of music, we're lovers of music. This has been a really shit week in the music world. We lost two pretty great artists one not all that unexpected and then the other one was pretty sudden and i'll just be brief about it because you can go figure this stuff out so gary brooker of pro call harem died and he died at you know 76 years old had a bout with cancer lasted a few years but up until just a few years ago he was touring and performing and active pro call harem is not a band a lot of people talk about but they were hugely inspirational and influential in the psychedelic and progressive rock era and they have one of the most covered songs of all time. And I'm talking of all time. Yesterday by the Beatles, like it was Stairway, like a lot of people have done this song, A Whiter Shade of Pale. And you don't always know that name of that band, but you know that song when it comes on with that organ intro. It's been in movies and television, hugely inspirational. And very sad that he died. Is very ill. And then the real one that knocked me personally for a horrendous loop is Mark Lanigan. You've heard me talk about him on this podcast. Even in the last few weeks, I was talking about that book, Sing Backwards and Weep, his life story. He's got a new book that just came out, basically came down with COVID 11 months ago. And he had it so bad. Not only did he almost die from it, he went deaf. Do you hear stories about like the last, the original strain of COVID giving people like wildly different like symptoms and issues? And just to be clear, 11 months ago, there were no vaccines readily available. Right. And this is a guy who has had a lifetime of, you cannot calculate the amount of drugs this guy has done. His own book, he tells on himself in his book, I'm not disparaging him, he would tell you himself. 
he should have been dead a thousand times, a million times, put himself in so many precarious positions over drugs and uh, his inability to get clean. And he did get clean. He got, actually got clean with the help of uh, Duff McKagan and Courtney Love helped send him to rehab and then take care of him, of people who know about drugs and drug addiction. Um, yeah, I mean, think about that statement for just a minute. He got clean yeah. with the help of Duff and he, Courtney. He okay. was sent to rehab by Courtney. Paid, she paid for it. He was so this Mark Lanigan. Most people know him as the singer from Screaming Trees, a band he hated, was a contemporary grunge band. They have a song on the single soundtrack. Here's a bit of music trivia that's terrible. Only Keefe would know these frowny, bacon frownies uh, type things. Four singers on the single soundtrack are now passed away. Wow. Mark Lanigan, Chris Cornell, Lane Staley, and Andrew Wood. Brutal. Um, and, and, you know, Nirvana was offered all kinds of money to be on it, and he turned it down because he thought it was a, like a BS. He didn't want to be lumped in with everybody else. Turn down money, turn down good money. Um, Screaming Trees is on there, Nearly Lost You is the song that was the MTV hit. They had several other hits, but they basically imploded after another couple albums and a lot of acrimony. He launched an incredible solo career. He has got a very, you know, incredible, wizened, whiskey-soaked voice. His solo career is incredible. He is famously on the Mad Season record and was going to be the singer on the second unfinished Mad Season record. You can hear some of that on YouTube. He's on Queens of the Stone Age, so a lot of people know him from those things. And he got COVID 11 months ago. He nearly died. He pretty much went insane from having it. And like, even when he was coming out of it, he, his hearing was gone for months and he thought he was going to be deaf. And he's like, what do I make music? What if I can't hear ever again? That's my whole life, my voice and my ears. He got his hearing back, but he never really came back 100% and just passed away. So, you know, very tragic, very sad, really brutal. A lot of people who've seen a lot of outpouring of discussions about the guy. And like I said, read his books. There's a new one I haven't gotten to yet, but the first one I just, you know, one of the previous one that was his life story is unbelievable. I'll spare the, the storytelling for now, uh, but there's just some unbelievable, unbelievable stuff in that book that'll just make you like just shake your head and you know, and he still came through, and again, he made all this incredible music, and that's what I want to remember him for, the music, but uh, yeah, again, check out your heroes, see them when you can, support them with your dollars, you'll hear me say that a lot in the next, in the near future. That, definitely, uh, do your best to, do your best, that, that, that's all I'm going to say. That's friend. all we can do, my friend. But uh, to quote MTV Music, MTV Music Television in 1989, after the after the VJ came back after one by Metallica had played. Well, on a lighter note. Well done. Thank you very much. So this week we are continuing getting close to the end of the Robert Plant solo saga. This week we are discussing the album Now in Zen, which is probably the most famous. Robert Plant solo record that is the first Robert Plant solo anything I ever heard personally. I remember a half hour special on VH1 at this time with uh, where they played I think five songs from his solo tour from one of the club shows and the final song was Immigrant Song and being the guy who had just gotten into Led this is 1988, 1989-ish that I saw this and being the guy who 
had just gotten into Led Zeppelin in 1986 because he acquired a copy of Led Zeppelin 3 not knowing any fucking thing. Beer Metal Spring. Um, playing Immigrant Song, which was the opening track of Led Zeppelin 3, made me like, oh my god, Robert Plant is amazing! I didn't know any, any of the other songs. But before we get into that, I wanted to go back a little bit and discuss the shaken and stirred, sh- stirred, the shaken and stirred, shaken and stirred tour. Hey, Gurney, remember playing the go to Tootie? Burgy, burgy, sturdy, burgy. He's shaking and sturdy. We, we make it, we, we, we make, I, I, I got nothing. Uh, I should have. We have lost sh- every Swedish listener we probably will ever have. For the record, uh, those of us who love the Muppets, namely Keithy and <clears throat> himself, the Swedish chef is. Comedy gold. Comedy gold. He uh, they did they did a uh, live show in uh, Quebec, and uh, in the Montreal Comedy Festival, and the the Swedish chef made poutine, and had four heart attacks. Tasting the poutine, the poutine, and every time he tasted it, it was so rich it gave him a heart attack. And then a comedian it's- comes on afterwards, and he says. I'm supposed to be professional right now, but that was the goddamn Swedish chef. I'm following the Swedish chef. And I'm like, I feel that. Anyway, way off track. Shaken and stirred. <clears throat> so we discussed that tour a little bit. And I just kind of wanted to throw out the set list on that one. As we discussed last week, Robert Plant at this time was not playing any Led Zeppelin to speak of. So I'm going to throw out the titles and let's see if Keithy can name the albums they came from. Because, mm. I mean, I'm kidding. We didn't talk about that. Uh, starts off with In the Mood, Shoot Me. <laughs> Again, how? Why? Why is this song popular? I know. Why is, no, it's not why is it popular. It's not why did Casey drill <clears throat> it into my ear holes. I actually got a text message today from my friend Danny who listens to this podcast, who said, I am totally with you on In the Mood. So, All right. Uh, thanks, Danny. Appreciate that. So then we go on to Pledge Pin, which, if memory serves, is Pictures at 11, Pink and right. Black, Don't Know It. But, I mean, I, I don't know the titles. So, yeah. All right. Just uh, Little by Little, that was a Shaken and Stir. Just, that That's was the only good song on Shaken and Stir. It's a big hit, so. Uh, burning down one side that was obviously uh, the, 11 right Mesquite. and also the white knights soundtrack mm-hmm. song yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah legitimate hit song uh messing with the mekon principle i believe that's principle you mentioned that one uh through with the two-step i believe that is shaken yes no uh n- no that's the previous record okay uh other arms also principle of moments uh, slow dancer do not remember that title now it gets into a little bit of interesting stuff in my opinion uh young boy i'm sorry rocking at midnight followed by okay. young boy blues followed by sea of love okay followed, yeah followed by every time i hear that mellow saxophone that's a and, cover at that point in time, I have to imagine the crowd was ready to murder him. <laughs> but certainly, he's going to come out with a whole lot of love and 
you know, that's the, it's, it's like in Star Trek, uh, City on the Edge of Forever, right? You got to pay for your soup. You got to listen to Edith Keeler talk about all the wonderful things. That's how you pay for your soup at that homeless shelter she was running, right? So that's so, so, totally fine. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Uh, going into Too Loud, which we all remember that one possibly. And then uh, finishing it up with that Led Zeppelin tune we've all been waiting for. The one, the only, hope, uh, no, Big Log. <clears throat> Well, basically, it wishes it was a Zeppelin song. And then at which um, point, it, that is basically me in 1998 walking out of the arena going, how the fuck did Metallica not play for Whom the Bell Tolls? Yeah, I mean, I'm again, not, Robert... I'm not it, saying you should have played only Led Zeppelin or half Led Zeppelin or even a third Led Zeppelin. Just an encore of Zeppelin. Not even the encore, just like one track. Just close out with whole lot of love or well, even if it wasn't like a big hit there are like phenomenal deep cut songs he could have did the wonton song he could have did um achilles last you know, stand achilles last stand <laughs> maybe not that one maybe not that one great minds think alike that's that such a jimmy page it is it's just a jimmy page song too i think oh it what's is. the one about trouble free transmission oh i can never remember the name of that one yeah uh, was in their the version of Terraplane Blues? I think in the evening. It's not in the evening. It was on uh, Celebration Day. Okay. I can never remember it, but there's plenty. There's of no shortage of, there's no shortage of other things he could have did that were still Zeppelin that people would have been very pleased with. He just would not do it. He and way better than mellow saxophone tunes. And we talked about how Shaken and Stirred is not a good record. And he's got a co- like a, co- a quarter of it is on the set list. It's not a good, even with Little by Little, it's still not a good record, man. No, it, it really kind of harkens weak. back to when we talked about Black Sabbath uh, Sabotage and their set list for that tour, which was, I'm pretty like, sure, written up by Cocaine. What the shit? Yeah. No one wanted, no one asked for this, man. That's why it was my line from that whole series. The whole end of that series was like, nobody wanted this, nobody. Um, but you know, I appreciate Robert's vision for himself, right? You got to believe in yourself. I and agree. Demanding- there are two kinds of solo artists the kind that lean heavy into their material or lean heavy into the previous band material. Are you Eric Clapton? Fucker. Or are you Roger Waters? Are you Peter Frampton? Or are you Ace Fraley? Are you Ozzy Osbourne? Or are you Mark Farner's American Band? Grand Funk. No, that's the name of his current tour. Oh, is that his current entity. thing? That's, that's horrible. Or are um, you Nancy Wilson's Heart? Oh my God, that is a terrible story. I read Do it We have today. a second to discuss that. Holy shit, that's terrible. So and like, why didn't I go and... out of my way to try to go see them when they were briefly back together? I don't think they're going to fix this. I saw, like I sisters, saw that tour. They played, sisters the, hate each they other. played the Battle of Evermore. I know. And I cried. You bastard. I cried um, like a little kid with a skin knee. The quick Cliff's notes of the story is that Anne's married to an asshole who's a bully and a piece of shit. And Nancy's kids got in an altercation with him like six, seven years ago. The sisters were doing like a Cavalera brothers split where they didn't talk for a long time. It did get fixed. They did go back on tour as heart. I believe 2019. 
Yeah, and then the pandemic, which interrupted their plans to do an album and another tour. And now you have Ann Wilson's got a solo record coming out. Another one? Oh, Ann, yeah. Ann, I'm sorry. Ann has a solo I have, record I have Nancy's out. covers record over there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, they're both putting out records. Nancy had a side band for a while. And I think also what happened is when Ann and Nancy came back together, they fired the rest of their band of heart, who were their longtime some of them from the 70s or 80s, long time, long suffering, underpaid side people who literally got the ax when they finally got back together. So for years, they were like on tour with Nancy. If you and ever then, had any question about how much the two of us nerd out about music, here we are wistfully being upset about heart breaking up in mm-hmm. 2022. Yeah, I mean, it's not official, but it's kind of, I mean, like at this point, how's it getting, how's it getting fixed? Anne didn't want to work with Nancy's new band that she's kept. Basically, the people Anne and Nancy hired have stayed with Nancy. Anne has a whole new solo band that she wants as her back again. Nancy has a lead singer that sounds like Anne. Oh, Journey! Who's a good singer. I know. But in a terrible position. Because you're going to get shat on by the diehards, and then you're just going to get compared to Ann Wilson, who's got one of the great voices. Here's what's going to happen to me. I will see them, I'm sure, because I go to 15 to 20 shows a year at our local shed because, well, I just like going there, drinking beer, and sitting on the lawn. So Mm. hopefully I'll see Jason Bonham's Let's Zeppelin experience that same night. Yeah. God. Anyway, so this is a tragedy, but I'll stop. Um, Moving on. Robert, speaking of people who wanted to sound like Robert Hart, like Robert, you know, he is who he is, man. He is who he is. He's loved. He will probably go back and say good things about that shaken and stirred record. It's a turd. Shaken and turd. And um, it is. Besides, it's it's the worst thing. It's even worse than the Honey Drippers to me. Which I mean, that, well, again, the Honey Drippers are just wrote covers. There's, it's not inherently terrible. It's just not good. It's not great, exceptional. Um, uh, but okay. then it's a three-year gap between albums for Robert. And there's Live Aid in there. We talked about last week and touring. And maybe he took some time off. Um, he did. It didn't, you know, Shaking the Stir was again still somehow a what? hit with Little by Little. So in 1985, what is he? 35. Something like that, yeah. 35 and exceedingly rich and Mm. still young enough to be able to enjoy anything he wants. Is it any surprise he took three years? No. No, When he really took three three years. So he recorded this in November and December of 87 and this came out right up. Remember the record industry used to just bust a record out in eight weeks from the time the masters were handed over? Incredible. Oh, yeah. Now it takes, uh, a buddy of mine was asking me about vinyl pressing, and I'm like looking up pressing plants are like uh, eight months. Eight to 18, depending on where in the world. Yeah, it used to be, you, um, uh, you know, you hit, we, when the Monty Python record we did, they, they, they recorded it at the beginning of the run of shows, and it was pressed and released by the end of the run at, at City Center. Unbelievable. Um, so Robert Fires almost his whole, basically his whole band, except the backup singers. Time to start over. Starts over. Somehow After Tim shaking Palmer, the stirred, you should start over. You should start over. And, you know, he had done three records with the core same band, except for Phil and Cozy. And, uh, you know, 
uh, rotating drummers, but basically the same writing team mm -hmm. and basically the same producing team. Then he comes back after the first new record with Tim. And again, Tim is a growing legendary guy. He's just now building his legend and he brings Tim back to co-produce the new record with himself. And Robert really uh, picked some good ones when he put this new band together to create the record that uh, Agreed. becomes Now and Zen. If I can spoil just as a little bit, yeah, uh, I will say that Pictures at 11 is my personal favorite, mm. but this is the best of the run so far. This is my favorite. I'll just say this is my, going to be my favorite Robert out forever for a variety of reasons. It's not just the best record, best written record. I have the most emotional connection to these really excellent songs to which none of the other records have that anything. Even the pinnacle, you know, whatever, they don't hold anything. They don't hold up for me. Like this. What I love but, about this one is it is uh, he, he's standing on two banks of a river. His right foot is deeply deeply into the heart of the rubber plant era of Led Zeppelin, the last couple of records. And his left foot is deeply, deeply into who is Robert Plant solo. And it, it well, he figures it out. Yeah, he figured it out. And I think it's like, I don't think he did it because anybody want, I think he wanted to. Like, you know, now it's almost 10 years. I, you know, I, I'll just say, I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. You're fine. So John Bonham. No, I'm 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 doing this this. Yeah, yes. John Bonham dies, but before he died, they were also kind of on a hiatus after Nebulous '79. They did not have plans to go in and make another record. It's weird. I, that I they believe had. they would have broken up by '82. Or maybe you know, like I said, I think at least Robert was going to go solo. Or taking a Queen, uh, the Queen situation where they're not broken up, but they're not precisely they're not a going back. Turn. Right, they're not coming back. Um. So I think almost 10 years after the band stops being, Robert wants to do some Robert stuff, not because anyone wants him to, because he was ready to. Also, he had he songs together, in his heart. He had, but yeah, but like, yeah. And I, but also he put together a band of guys who are very Zeppelin-y in their writing, like you unmistakable. I have to really shout out Phil Johnstone, rest in peace. He died last year. Um, he really, especially his guitar playing, has a mystical Jimmy Page Zoso feeling about it. Like how his sound is very dry with no effects, how he solos, how he puts little licks and layers in guitar stuff. Interesting how you bring up, not to interrupt <laughs> you, except to totally interrupt you. Interesting how you bring up the very Jimmy Page-like solos. Yes. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. In, immense foreshadowing. But I will say uh, I'm going to, real quick, I'm going to, yeah. that's the only time I'm going to say that this week, hopefully. Uh, backup Beer Centennial IPA by Founders Brewing. Nice. Cheers. Shasta tastes like a lemon soda. Hey, the Master Blaster drinking up the Shasta. Yo. My voice sounds sweet because it has to. Okay. Hey, so. Yeah, man. Um, now and Zen is like kind of the record I wish was. And again, we've we like going backwards. Those first two Robert albums are good. Correct. Occasionally moments of greatness. Correct. Shaking is third is a turd. 
from start it, to finish. Just little by little is good, but it's like you can't reward competence because it's competent. Like that's just Correct. doesn't make sense. You know, you, you, it's solid. When the you actual hit the, definition when you of hit solid. mediocrity, I'm not going to give you a gold medal. Yeah. That was little I, by little. Yeah, and that's fine. And then this record is like a breath of fresh air to me. Where's when it go, hit my... I'm, I mean, again, I like I'm to see sorry. a love is a I'm great sorry. Okay, okay. I, it's not allow me to, to Allow me to put the, the, the toothpaste back in the tube. There's absolutely nothing wrong with Honey Drippers if you appreciate that music. Yeah, what if you're However, a big fan? Remember the age of the boomers who were listening to that shit that was like, and that's also their parents' music. It's not I know, music. I know, but you had Jimmy Page and Jeff back on the same fucking record. You could have did anything. And Nile Rodgers... You could have had this. You had it's. It's like taking the the Russian Five from the Detroit Red Wings and going, "No, Sergey. No, Ivan. Just dump and chase and bang the body like the third line does too." It's like the Edmonton Oilers trading their entire team to the Rangers so they could win the Stanley Cup. It's anyway. like the. It's no. It's more like the Blues <laughs> signing all of those former Ranger, former Oilers in order to win the Stanley Cup in order to lose in the second round. Which happened two years later. Also fair. So that that is my complaint with Honey Drippers. That's fine. You have all the ingredients and you go, no. Understood. Fair fair enough. So now we're going to drop it. But Honey Drippers, not a Robert album. It's a collaborative. It's a it's a bad. It's a it's the worst case scenario of the supergroup. Correct. I know they serve their purpose. Sea of Love is a very good cover. Makes the firm look like Rush. That's also true. We can get into that another. We don't time. have to. We don't have to. The Department of Metal Antiquities did it for you. We listen to the records, so you don't have to. Um, hey, we have a, we have a tagline now. Right, I heard Duncan say it, and then it um, was it. Um, this is why grunge had to happen. This is why grunge had to happen. That's incredible. Um, to get rid of a lot of these albums, poor Duncan, poor Duncan. Duncan, I feel talk. bad. I feel bad for him because he keeps doing it. His brilliant, beautiful <laughs> ears have to get sullied and soiled by these horrible, horrible records. But anywho, I'm going to bring up Duncan in about two minutes. So Robert Plant, now and then he puts together this killer band. And again, I have to shout out Phil Johnstone, who really didn't have like you. You were trying to say that you think Robbie Blunt is like a should be like a celebrated guy. I think it's Phil Johnstone who should be the celebrated guy because he comes in and informs Robert's songwriting so heavily. He ends up co-producing the album. I, I, I agree. I completely agree with what you're saying. But pictures at eleven. <clears throat> It it feels like the eleventh Led Zeppelin record. Okay, I, and that's sure, why I but... love it so much. All right, this feels like the first real Robert Plant. I album. totally agree. That is what I was gonna. It's a complete record. If we talk about this, and that's an idea that is maybe old fashioned now with the streaming era, but in this era when this record came out, this feels like a complete start to finish concepted composed yeah there's no made record sequence beautifully like led zeppelin did led zeppelin wrote entire records where you put the needle down yeah and the trip doesn't end for 20 minutes but it's also like robert this is a a true robert record in another sense that he really 
comes in it's like sort of the beautiful melting pot of the best shit you think of when you hear the words Robert Plant Led Zeppelin and also what his goal was as a solo artist to incorporate R&B to incorporate crooning and just very sensual sexy singing to bring in world music finally like he wanted to all along and this has been a thing that has guided the whole rest of his career up until now Honestly, uh, this could have been the 12th Led Zeppelin record. Uh, or or the honestly, almost the seventh. Oh no. Um no. Had they been uh, on less hair wrong? No, I don't think so. I love those records. Those records are fantastic. So I, I, but I, I would I'm like not, to have one more record that like Jonesy and Bonzo wrote and made all of with minimal contributions from the other guys and see what they got. I, uh, I think just, you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. Okay, maybe. I'm not saying it should have been. Oh, I understand. It could have. It could have been. Right. So we shouldn't could are different. We like I said, Phil Johnstone, keyboards and some guitar, but not much on here. Doug Boyle, very underrated guitar player, still around. Phil Scrag on bass, solid. Chris Blackwell on drums, very good. Um and again, the only holdovers beside Tim Palmer and the production chair, co-production chair now, is the backing vocals of Marie Pierre, Christy McCall, and Tony Halliday, who I spoke about last week. What you got there? Hey, he's got it with him. Now, listen to it again today. I've listened to this. The, the, the vinyl check records that I bought last week, I have not listened to yet because I've been spinning Robert Plant to make sure I don't sound like a dick. Uh, I you don't sound like a dick ever, but that's fine. You are so nice. Uh, I wanted to shout out my buddy Duncan because I don't remember where I acquired Now and Zen. I have never, apart from Carrie Fire in the latest uh, Alison Krauss collaboration, I have not mail-ordered any Robert Plant works, period. I have acquired them just by finding them in the wild, and I don't remember where I got Now and Zen. That is not my first copy of Now and Zen. The first copy I bought somewhere for some price. And then Duncan sent me a European copy of it. And I decided to keep that one, got rid of the American one. So yeah, spinning the European copy. I do not have a copy of this on vinyl somehow, but I really should because it is. Well, if maybe I had my done that, fa- I would have kept it and sent it to you. Maybe it's my favorite non-Zeppelin Zeppelin member album. That's how much I love this, but we'll get into it. I'm going to let you lead the track listing this week, or at least uh, one. I have uh, taken notes again because we, I may have mentioned this, but this entire run, I am not streaming any of it, no CD, no digital, anything. Every record that I'm doing this on this series is on vinyl. I have them all. And so side one starts off with Heaven Knows. It is big. It is lush. It's got the 80s gang chorus, which I don't need. A little bit too much synth. And it's a nice return. But only slightly to that shaken and stirred. It is rock. It is synth. He, Robert Plant is moving forward into the decade. Eight years after it started. Well said. I think this, it's a little heavier than all of Shaken and Stirred. It's a much better song than anything on Shaken and Stirred. Right away, 
it's Wild a sonic, Thing is heavier than Shaken and Stirred. It's a sonic upgrade. It's a songwriting upgrade. Phenomenal lyrics, poetic Agreed. lyrics, Agreed. if you listen to them. Um, I mean, heaven knows, you know, Robert has spent his whole life poking at cliches. Like, he'll use a cliche for effect, but play off of it the rest of the, you know, create attention. So heaven knows is you could throw that shit away. He could have sang blah, blah, blah. Didn't matter what it was. It's the words in between that part that make the chorus. And his singing is beautiful, right? It's just like the Robert I remember and want to hear. Agreed. And it's agreed. not and it's not the caterwauling, my penis is big stuff. He's talking about some soulful stuff here. It, well, he said in 2012 when like, why didn't you get back together? Why didn't you why didn't you do Led Zeppelin? It was those are a young man's words. I'm not a young man anymore. At right. this point in time, he is what, 35, 36? Getting up there. You know, he's he's pushing pushing he's, 40. He's finally at that time in his life where mortality is a thing for him. Right. Um, so yeah, Heaven Knows, fantastic. Was a hit single also. Quick question though. Yeah. Is there anything special about the lineup on this track? Is there not this track? No. Yes, this track. Oh, wait. Um yeah, I'm sorry. So I didn't want I want to let you talk about it. I guess you're gonna So what did you think of that thinking. guitar solo? That guitar solo, first of all, it's a guitar solo. Holy shit. And then who is playing that guitar solo? Do you solo? remember the solo? Because I don't. Yeah, of course. It's like uh Egyptian scale slash okay. pentatonic scale. Who else does that? I, I have no recollection of it. Who's the, who's the most I, famous guy? Ever? I didn't find out who played the solo until uh at the beginning of the second sign. Uh, it was Jimmy Page, and I said nothing about the guitar solo. So here we have, uh, at this point in time, the fifth, fifth, fifth Jimmy Page Robert Plant collaboration, post Led Zeppelin. Fifth song. There was one on Outrider. Okay, I feel like Outrider is after this, though. I believe you're right because this came date, out in Feb. Yeah, this is like literally early '88, and Outrider is the summer album. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I mean, like they were fourth. probably recorded at the same time, by the way. Yeah, probably. Okay, fourth, fourth and fifth. And I, I have no recollection of a guitar solo in that too. Okay. I mean, it's in there. It's it in, you know what it is? is? He's in very, in very Robert fashion, much to Jimmy's chagrin eternally. Robert is, then I suppose, like occluding the guitar notes. What happens when a singer makes a solo record? <laughs> kind of. But, um, yeah, man, you know, Page and Plant great just song. belong no, I together. I mean, no shade. No, great song. They just belong together. They do um, belong together, but I just feel like when they do these things, they could have done a lot. When it's the, when the Jimmy and Robert stuff. Well, he didn't write this, and that's the thing you should remember is he didn't write these songs. He just shows up and lays down a, a part so I know, when, I know. when Jimmy is the architect of his own mansion, you're getting all the little layers and all the workmanship and all the craftsmanship. And when he comes on Jimmy Page as a feature, you're just getting Jimmy Page. You're just getting the drip, 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 the very little bit. Yeah, of but verse. Jimmy Page featuring in the Puff Daddy song was better than this. I don't think that's fair. And I don't ever acknowledge that song. So please don't bring it up ever again to me. Um Anywho, the wrong guy died. Biggie should be alive. Anyway. Wow. 
not a fan of Puffy. Um, not, no one is. Puffy. Now. No one is now. Puffy is a fan. I'm a fan of Dave Chappelle pretending to be Puffy on the Chappelle show. So anyway, heaven knows. I'm a fan of Tracy Tracy Morgan pretending to be Puffy. No, pretending to be Suge Knight making fun of Tim Meadows pretending to be Puffy. Interesting. Where did I use that uh, before he came out and sang all about the pinnacles? Interesting. So we've talked a lot about heaven knows. Jimmy's on it. Uh, Nick's not sure, but he is. I, 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 I know they say it, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah, okay. But again, like Paige's designed solos to fit into his songs. No, I know. Not going to be the same when it's not his song. No, Dance know. on My Own is the second song. It's solid. I don't think it's special, but it's decent. Uh, it's, it's a good second track for a record. Yeah, who's Robert Crash? I don't know who that guy is. No that guy's either. got a songwriting credit. Plant, Johnstone, Robert Crash. Um, decent, like a synth pop song. Yeah, that's kind of a lot. What like what I have written down? It you know I can remember this song. So, in when a singer does a solo record, it's different than another member of the band doing a solo record. It's different than the guitar player or the bass player or the drummer because God only knows what those fuckers are doing with their crayons, but. When the singer does a solo record, it's always, especially if it's a singer who doesn't write music, plant, Ozzy, whatever, you're going to get a lot closer to a top 40 record than you are a rock record. And Dance on My Own is very much a top 40, 80s kind of, it's, it's a lot more synthy than Heaven Knows and Tall Cool One and the rest of the record, quite honestly. It's a good song. You know, it's, it's like Shaking and Stirred. There's some good stuff in there. It's This is better than anything off Shaking and Stirred. There, there's some good songs to Shaking and Stirred that are just ruined by the way they performed them and, and wrote them. Fair enough. But, um, and that's this song. I mean, it could have been a lot better had it been less of the gang vocals, less. But it's it's easy to say nearly 35 years on if you have been less contemporary, I would like it better decades later. Fair enough. Uh, the third one, which is a fascinating song. It is. It really is. Beastie Boys. That's exactly where I was going with this. Tall Cool One is not just a cool song because it's like the most rocking song up at this point that oh, yeah. Plant has oh, yeah. had in his whole solo career. Oh yeah, fourth. And it this is his fourth Page. solo record. Yeah, and it features Jimmy Page, but more interestingly than that, is almost like a. It's almost like they got beef. They clapped back, and they clapped back at the Beastie Boys. And here's why. Can I the, sidebar before you get to that? Go ahead. Uh, the Beastie Boys have stolen beats from both ACDC and Led Zeppelin. And Black Sabbath. What what Black Sabbath one? Uh, starting up a posse or whatever. Posse in effect. Yeah, it's uh, Sweet Leaf. Really? Yeah. Pretty sure. Um, there's definitely some some like literally the and yeah literally the holy grail of, of riffs and beats is like ACDC Zeppelin and Sabbath back then. Yeah, the um, the the ACDC track because everybody's probably thinking, wait a minute, what? 
the the song the Beastie Boys track was Rock Hard. It was a non-album single on Def Jam Records before um, License to Ill. And Mike D actually had a conversation with Angus Young about, can we release this on a greatest hits? Will you let us do it? And Angus just smiled and said, Mike, come on. You've been around this business a long time. You know I can't give you back in black for free. Fair enough. However, so, it is on YouTube and it is awful. Is it and the B side is worse. No way. Um, so the most popular record in the world in 1986 is Licensed to Ill. Oh my God. It's such a great record. It is one of the greatest records of all time, produced by the Rick Rubin. It is a landmark of both rock and hip hop. And I say hip hop and not rap. Legit. Featuring on Brooklyn. Carrie King. Carrie King. I think he's also on another song too. He's on um he's only specifically credited on Brooklyn. But he's on another track. Probably on a lot of, probably on a bunch of them really. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, I don't listen to hip hop. Here he is in the video getting a pie in the face. Pumped no, that ass. was Rick Rubin. Now he also got a pie in the face. I interviewed yeah. Adam Dubin, who directed that video. He's also the guy who did a year and a half in the life of Metallica and murder mm-hmm. in the front row documentaries. And so he talked about Carrie getting pie. didn't want to get pied in the face on camera. They totally pied him in the face on camera. Carrie King got pushed away by a man in a gorilla suit. Yeah, well, that's deserved. Um, not gonna. I'm not gonna. Your punk not, bitch get treated like a punk bitch. Okay, where? Uh, let's move back to Robert Plant. So Beastie Boys literally built License to Ill, not on the just the strength of their brilliant lyrics and their crazy comedy, but these these like classic riffs and beats that everybody knew, you know, like, again, Sweet Leaf, uh, Levy Breaks, uh, ba- you know, like, literally, You Shook Me All My Long, all these things are on here, little, you know, Sweet Leaf, all these little riffs and beats. At that and time, so, the world was different. The world was different, and nobody pursued legally a lot of times these, these things. Sometimes they were credited as an interpolation, and sometimes they were not. Um, I just saw some TikTok about Uptown Funk. They were sued three separate times for like a total of $50 billion and they lost each case and they still made a profit on that record. Anyway, unbelievable. So Robert gets the idea. I think perhaps his impetus to try to work with Jimmy on this record at all. Maybe they were like, you'll be on Outrider, I'll be on your record. But but Robert clearly wanted to spoof the Beasties. So this song, Tall Cool One, Long Way to Go to Tell a Story, Keefe, samples Led Zeppelin multiple times. Like not three well. tracks. Badly. Badly. Not well. Say, not well. Not not a good job. And like the song by itself was fine. Yes. And I like the coda part of it. Yes. But in general, mashing in these things on purpose, no, not a great idea. However, Can I say if you say yeah. boogie instead of boogie, don't sample. Yeah, whole lot of love, days and confused, black dog, custard pie, and the ocean. The ocean's another one that obviously Beasties used, um, and the Levy breaks chorus. Um, while he's like singing, going down, and other things. In the song. The song itself is not bad and it's pretty heavy. 
rock it's it. It's a good track. And Jimmy is on there with an actual legit solo. But I don't understand, like, yeah, like, I get it, and I don't get it. Like, in hindsight, this does not hold up as a good track. I but disagree. this was a hit single. I, I disagree. Video on this MTV. is the best track on the record. Oh, no. Sorry. However, okay. I have no recollection of the solo. I, I was oh. getting into writing my notes for the way I feel the next track, and I went, wait a minute. Is there a solo on this one? The Jimmy I Page think, tune? I think they're hidden. They're like low. Mixed. That's, that is the problem with these collaborations, because they did what is it? Uh, they did two on Honey Drippers, two on this, one on Outrider. So they've done five collaborations. And of four of the five, you would never know Jimmy Page was there. He almost was foreshadows to Welcome to Clarksdale. I think he, yeah, I think he had to have Jimmy credited on the track anyway to use those other songs mm-hmm. and get Jimmy's permission as the author of those songs. But I don't know, not the best execution. But okay, I understand if you like this song. It is, it is definitely rocking. Robert sings great. It is like a, a sexy throwback to like a whole lot of love. My notes say literally, it is impossible to dislike this song. That is all I wrote. Mm. Here we are. All right. My notes I'm, are a lie. Apparently. I don't know that I love it. I like it. Moving on. Closing outside one, The Way I Feel. Another decent synth rock track. Yeah, yeah, I agree. With uh, that. There is a really, some really cool guitar in here by Doug Boyle. The, it's hard to describe the guitar on this record. It's hard to describe the music in many places because in. Like this one, a little bit different because it's more back to the basics, but Tall Cool One, Dance on My Own, the music gets a little bit weirder, which is great because he's bringing in the, the, the Far Eastern influences in America, in Western music, not American, but which American is Western, of course. But in Western music, you have two, three, or four beats per measure. That's, that's what it is. You have these, and you don't have these large clusters. In Indian music, what is it, up to 32 notes in a measure? The standard on the ragas? And he starts bringing in these uh, in a Western sensibility, an otter feel. And this is the first time I feel like we get that Robert Plant doing that thing. Because Jimmy, he and Jimmy Page went to India, went to Pakistan, went to all of these these far eastern nations that weren't Japan or China around the time of physical graffiti, around the time of Into the Outdoor and Presence in order to find as they put on as they put it on the mighty Bush, the new sound. They found it they didn't use it. Robert Plant held on to it later. And now on Now and Zen, we're getting that new sound, which for us, you know, it, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, that's, that's what makes sense in our mind. And now we're getting these. Yeah, don't drum while we're recording. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was doing that on purpose, though. 
Oh, okay. Um, that was not me. That was not me waiting for you to talk. That was actually me. Doing no, that. but I'm saying like I think it interferes with the listeners. Um, fair. I'm also bad at it. So yeah, I, I'm not the most rhythmic person either. You know, I play music for Look, twenty I play guitar, years. I play guitar, not bass, for a reason. Yo. Hey, so the way I feel is solid. I do, like I said, I do feel like between Boyle and John Stone, the writing on here definitely feels like mid to late Zeppelin on purpose. Like it definitely yeah. pulls into those. But it, fe- it doesn't tones. feel like, it feels like a hearkening to that. Oh yeah, like, I mean, Robert wouldn't want it to sound exactly like it. It would offend him. It's a three scoop Sunday, and that's one of the scoops. But Robert would take the banana out because he doesn't like bananas and he doesn't want to be bananas when that's what he was known for before, his banana. <laughs> Side two. Wait a minute. Cut it out. <laughs> hey. Another uh, one on YouTube. Look, if you're not watching YouTube. <laughs> rest in peace, Bob Saget. Um, Miss you, buddy. Uh, that's Flip suck. the record. Flip the record. Flip the record. Sip a beer. And get ready Hang for on. some reason Hang at on. this point. Sip with me. Sip with me. For some reason, the songs start getting longer, except for one. I don't Wait, know did, why. Did you go nine tracks or did you go ten? I did ten. I only got nine because I don't have the CD. All right. So no um it's a cover and it's not that it's nondescript anyway. So well, nine. We, you can have it or you can or you can scratch it. I don't care. Uh, yeah, yeah. So moving on to Helen of Troy. Yeah. And this is my favorite conceptual song on this record. Mm. Not the song itself. It's I mean, it's not a bad song. It's, bad, it's not terrible. It's a good track. But when Robert Plant starts his 80s solo career, when he starts his solo career, because we are at album four. And think about album four for Ace Frehley. It took him to 2008 to make it. Think about album four for Roger Waters. It took him to 2017. Think about album four for Ozzy Osbourne. That's not fair because he went he went hard. But, you know, the first record is very much in the vein of what he was doing. The second record is starting to walk away from that. The third record is, hang on, let's be contemporary. And this track, Helen of Troy, looks back at Shaken and Stirred in my mind and, and, and just goes, no, this mm. is this is over. I am finally going to be the Robert Plant, the musician that I want to be. Mm. And here we have he, he stabs. He stabs Shaken and Stirred in the heart. He stabs Pictures at Eleven, Principle of Moments and starts off in a new vein. And that is the vein he has continued on to this day. Mm. That's fair. Good singing on this one too, like really good singing. Good. Uh, that, that's like saying Andre Agassi waxed the ball well on a tennis. Well, but I mean, like there, are, I mean, I know, I know. has good singing on bad songs, so like this is a good song with good singing. I don't know. Um, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, that's. I don't have much else on that one. That's a good one. We're into the we're into the underbelly. Oh, I don't I disagree. Well, you know what, Billy's Billy's Revenge. I. I I'll let you talk on that one. Yeah, Billy's Revenge is a solid rockabilly rock song. The plant affecting his Elvis Presley crew like he Man, likes to do. Plant loved 
that kind of stuff. He loves Elvis. Priceless. I don't, I, yeah, and I'm sure, and that's okay. I don't love Elvis or hate him. I love Graceland. I think that's a wonderful album. Uh, I think Elvis, eh. Wait, mean the Paul Simon record? Oh, I'm sorry, no. Um, what's the, no, Elvis' Graceland album is his gospel record in 68. Not the Paul Simon record named for Elvis. The only gospel, gospel record I have is Johnny Cash. Oh, well, no, there are many. Gospel is a wonderful I know. Song. Wait, um, no, 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 I take that back. I also have uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp. Nice. She was really the first rocker, real rocker. I know. She was gospel rocker. Could be. Um, I'm now going to talk about the best song on this record and the best song of Robert Plant's entire career outside of Led Zeppelin. Bar none, without equal. Ship of Fools. This song is a masterpiece of five minutes and one second long masterpiece. I love this song. Everything about it is when incredible guitar, opening guitar lick that's like Spanish guitar under Segovia, Paco de Lucia, very, very philosophical, wistful, I'm getting to be an old man lyrics, incredible singing, catchy chorus, excellent synthesizers, not too overwhelming, just nice, uh, literally an undercurrent, like water under the waves, under the bow of the ship, supporting it, very chill backbeat. I know Robert was very critical. What I was realizing, like, who's Robert Crash and who's David Barat? These are guys who came in and did like sequencing and electronics on these albums, which is why like the engineers list of this album looks like a rap record in now with a bunch of people contributing little bits and pieces, which Robert was critical of later. But Ship of Fools is the one place it really worked beside Helen of Troy and heaven knows. And this is without a doubt my favorite Robert Plant song outside of Zeppelin. It is a masterpiece. I can't say it enough. I would agree with a lot of that. Um, oh my God, I said, um, we're going to just do that sometimes. I know. I just wish I didn't. Me too. But with this track, it feels sensible. You know, if you look back at the Robert Plant lyrics, he's either singing old blues tracks, he's singing about Lord of the Rings, if the ring were a chick, a uh, lot of goofy crap. He yelled Strider in the middle of shows because that makes sense. Um, oh, God, twice. But he, he is now moving into middle age, which being as I choose to be in middle age till the moment I die, it's a good place to be. And he he's just changing. You know, he's not... That's... And I... And I when you hear songs like Ship of Fools, when I, let me rephrase, when I hear songs like Ship of Fools, I understand completely what he said in 2012. Those are young man's words, and I'm not a young man anymore. And when I look at what I see 55, 60-year-old men talking about with rock music and what they still look back on and love and the arrested mental development of some of those people that I see. And then I hear a song like Ship of Fools where Robert Plant is going, I'm not that guy anymore. And you don't have to accept me, but 
that's not going to make me pretend to be that guy. And this is Robert Plant saying, the world has changed and Robert Plant has changed. You can either come with me or you've got 10 Led Zeppelin records you can go back and listen to. Right on. Beautifully, beautifully said. That is exceptionally powerful. There are not many. Roger Waters, whom, whose tires I pump on a regular basis on this podcast, could not do that. No. <laughs> no. no. Um, I will also say that in a complete button on the nose type of thing, this song was used in the final two-hour episode of Miami Vice while people are on a boat because music producers for TV shows are idiots. Don't spill your beer. Or spill Let your beer. me swallow. Oh my God. Well, time your sipping to my talking then. Sorry, the world does not revolve around me. Um, no, it revolves Literally, around they're on a boat in a bay and this song comes on and it's like, God damn it. Like, it's not what the song is about, literally. Um, or also, figuratively. Also, when... Robert performed solo at the infamous Atlantic 40th anniversary concert, which is where Metallica Stone Cold Crazy comes from, by the way. Really? Ship of Fools is one of Robert's solo songs that he got to perform with his band before Zeppelin sort of played. Sort of. Not really. Sort of Zeppelin, sort of played. Sort of, sort of played. <laughs> sort of Zeppelin. Look, there there have been uh, what is it four, four instances of Led Zeppelin post Led Zeppelin, four, live a little more forty, Hall of Fame, and celebration. Yeah, I think that's two are good. This isn't one of them. What fortieth anniversary? Yeah. Oh yeah, we're not talking. We're not there yet. But um, so yeah, Ship of Fools, I love you. And uh, I would take this whole record. That's my track. It was a hit record, by the way. Um, yeah, man, it's it's an epic song. Um, All right, I'm gonna give you my amazing feelings on why. Are you ready? Cool. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Soft underbelly of a record that is not necessary. Yeah, yacht rock. Literally, Robert Plant does a yacht rock song. Might as well be called after Dan the Fogel. yacht rock song. Yeah, call Dan Fogelberg. And like, this is some neutered shit. Why didn't Peter Chris guest on this track? Right? Um, who am I Look, you could have gotten Michael Bolton, Peter Chris, and Bruce Kulick, and Dan Fogelberg, and have the ultimate yacht rock too. Yeah, this is not a great song. No, it's not. Um, they they the- tucked it away in the spot that it needed to be tucked away in. Right. Fortunately, on the album proper closing, White, Clean, and Neat is a solid. It's about the same as kind of track as Billy's Revenge, a little slower, but it's basically an old school blues slash R&B song, 60s, 50s R&B. Robert is fantastic vocally on his lower range here, like swaggering and swinging. That's what he, li- that's what he likes. That's where he wants to live. More than anything, that's where he lives now. And it's a good track to go out on. 
The uh, CD I, version has a cover that closes, Walking Toward Paradise. Kind of nondescript as a cover. Robert should not do covers. He's like, I think it's kind of, other than blues covers, like in Zeppelin, and like when he did a crazy little thing called Love at the Freddie Mercury tribute concert with Queen backing him, he really shouldn't do covers. Yeah, I, I would agree I don't with think that. he's good at them. This song, it, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, this sounds like, as it should, this is not a diss by any stretch, but it sounds like a singer solo record. And it sounds, you know, and I'm, I know in the first Robert Plant, uh, in the first Robert Plant album, or episode we did, I said way too many times, this is 25% of Led Zeppelin. He's never going to be Led Zeppelin. And this feels like what exactly he wanted to do from day one after leaving Led Zeppelin. It's a great song. Don't get me wrong. But it's not my taste. It's not what I want. If this is what he wants to do, if this is what he feels legitimately worth doing, great, awesome, I love you. But I'm going to stop this at Ship Fools going forward. Okay. Um, generally speaking, I still think this is, I, I'm not counting Alison Krauss. I'm not counting Band of Joy. I'm just talking Robert Plant albums with his name only on it. Where does this record land for you? For me, number two. But what, over behind pictures. Right behind, right behind pictures, yeah. But it depends on what you want to talk about because is this a better quality record than, than pictures? Yes. But it's not my favorite. Like, I can honestly say that the Black Album is probably the best record Metallica did, but it's among my least favorites. It's just not my record. Pictures, pictures feels like the next Led Zeppelin record. It really does. It feels... It's in the exact same line of evolution. This issues all that. And Led Zeppelin is, I mean, Led Zeppelin is, it's not even arguable, definitively. Led Zeppelin is definitively one of the greatest bands of all time. Of course, there are controversies, there are issues. Plagiarism comes to mind. However, they were able to take those songs that were, popular music wise skips in the pond and turn them into seismic fissures because of what they could do with them i love this record i really do and it's just not my personal favorite i get you it is my personal favorite it is my own legitimate notes yeah, that's a lot of notes. I This is my personal favorite Robert record. I said that before. I probably would have this like, this one, the next one, pictures, principle, everything else. But we're going to talk about next week. Next week, I will say that like I would throw away, let's just call it nine, closing with white, clean, and neat. And I would probably throw away two or three of these. And this record is still a B plus to me. I, I would throw away. I a think couple the of best tracks. things are the best. Yeah. I would like to see a couple of the tracks fleshed out more. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any of that classic kind of six minute, seven minute, eight minute track 
which although I guess when you look back on the, the those long tracks in Led Zeppelin, none of them were because Robert Plant was singing or had so many lyrics. Never nice. mind, I rescind. I understand. Um, critics were mixed on this record, by the way. So the fact that we're mixed on this record makes a lot of sense. It's it's a mixed record. I mean, that's fair. it's a mixed bag, but it's better than it. Certainly, shaken and stirred is horrible. It's a lot so, better than it could have been, in a lot. It's a lot better than what came before, and it was not as good as what it could have been. Yeah, it's it's. It, when, and I mean, I'm going to repeat myself, and I'm sorry. Sorry. I was trying to do a Dan Aykroyd there. I probably failed miserably. No, Steve Martin. I apologize, Steve Martin. Uh, he will always be connected to Led Zeppelin. He will always be Robert Plant, Led Zeppelin. I mean, that that's how we all hear it. And no one is going to be able to make a, an album as good as any of those 10 records. Mm. so every album that Robert Plant is going to do is always going to feel like a failure just to, to the critics frankly because well that's critics for you also <laughs> correct I mean but it's a collection gonna... of entitled prima donna d-bags who don't know how to write one song can't make a chord can't play a it's kazoo gonna, it's going to feel like a failure to a significant number of legitimate people as well well I mean like again imagine we talked about this in the first episode imagine being Robert and having to combat the image you spent 10 years making 12 years making that is burned into everybody's brain that song remains the same shirtless vest ripping the crotch Robert does anybody remember laughter with this stuff going on with the hand and like you have to come back how many bands artists whatever have been able to shake off something like that few I can think of the Beastie Boys you very few and it took in so the Beastie Boys did License to Ill as we referenced earlier where they were pretending to be party boys and they weren't so they go to their next record and completely change and what happens it fails on a spectacular level because people were not ready for it mm. so robert plant instead of you know flipping the script on day one starts slowly changing letters the i's become e's the s's become z's and before you know after it at the fourth record it's completely different but it feels so familiar it it sounds like the led zeppelin we always knew even though it's nothing like it that is Mm -hmm. absolute genius yeah slowly quietly because as we've discussed multiple times he was what 32 32 when pictures at 11 comes out ace fraley was in his late 30s when his first record comes out first solo record you probably should stop comparing Ace Frehley to Robert Plant, though. I know. I just know the name. I just, I know. You can't help yourself. I love Ace Frehley. Okay. So Ozzy Osbourne was, what, 35? When Blizzard comes out? And mm. somebody else writes the whole thing for him? Multiple mm. guys write the whole I thing I mean, for he him? made the melodies. Did he? He sang them. Did he? He did, though. Did he make He did, em? though. He did, though. Randy, I know, I know Randy wrote those them. with him. Did he? Okay. Randy, 
Well, yeah, but you can't just give him all the. I mean, like I don't know. I mean, this is. I think we've reached the end here this week. That's fair. Next week we will finish off the Robert Plant saga with Manic Nirvana. Okay, Keefe's done. So this is the Glacially Musical Podcast. It doesn't play in Peoria. Thank you for listening or watching.